Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, one and all, another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew. It's almost playoff time, Betts. But before that, we have the slate of all slates. For DFS, this is one of the hardest slates of the year for obvious reasons, but also my favorite slate of the year because it is absolute chaos. And we're going to be starting backup running backs, third string wide receivers, probably in some GPP lineups. I mean, it's going to get weird out there in Week 18. But I'm here for it. How you doing, Kyle? You know, weird is weird is a good word to describe it. Myself, um, I'm single dadding right now. You know, um, so I, I'm I've my wife is out on a little trip with some friends. And so I'm I'm pulling out all the stops at home. I got out at least four board games before seven a.m. this morning, <laughs> and I'm 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 just roughing it. You know, I'm making it. I know you haven't had that stage yet, but there's gonna be a time where you are completely outnumbered, and it's just you and the girls, and you you got to figure it out. There is a ninety nine percent chance that I would not survive more than an hour alone with the twins at this point in life because of how much work they require. My wife is an absolute saint throughout the day, so yes, I can never do it. Yeah, it's it's an acquired art form for dads that um, you know, the food looks a little different. Pizza every night. Uh Okay, so <laughs> this is a question I've had because we had pizza yesterday <laughs> and, and I did before. promise the kids that we get to do a little uh maybe a little Dave and Busters uh where they'll probably get pizza at some point. And uh I looked and definitely there's some pizza. I'm I consider myself a good cook. I mean, you've had some of my food. I I like cooking. I've had some and, of your pizza actually that you made, and it's it's very good. Ooh, that was the uh, barbecue chicken pizza. That's right. I made. Oh man, that was that was actually pretty good. Um, we are, yeah, in week eighteen, which is a different time in DFS. It's a different time to be able to describe things. So we're gonna break down on this slate, uh, man. A lot of stuff of it's a different type of strategy and a different way of assessing in cash who is a valuable play, who's gonna get guaranteed workload. So there's a lot to discuss and we do have two quick announcements it's clearly been a different week um and we've tried to be sensitive to that on our tuesday show the ballers did a great job can you describe you know everything that everyone's feeling uh with damar hamlin from 
you know, his family, which is the most important thing to, Hey, how do we, how can we be respectful as human beings that, and bring the humanity in this game? I think that's something you and I talk about a fair amount. I wrote an article a couple of years ago, just talking about the evolution of how we talk about fantasy football players as people, as human beings, and not as just assets and ent- entities. Like these are real people. And, uh, we forget that sometimes. So I think it was a good opportunity for a lot of us to refocus, remind ourselves of those things. So I know you and I had those discussions, uh, off air and we're just excited that we get to still talk about football, but still carry that with us as we uh, move forward in the week. But on a lighter note, you and I have two, uh, two announcements. So, uh, let's go with the first one. I will. I will let you read the news, Betts. Oh, I mean, this is probably the best news that has happened in the NFL this year, with the Dolphins preparing to be without Tua Tagovailoa and Teddy Bridgewater dealing with a dislocated pinky. Miami is signing veteran quarterback Mike Glennon to its practice squad, per Adam Schefter. Kyle, our king is back. How many podcasts get to open their show with the news of of the great one, the long necked one himself? <laughs> Uh, Mike Glennon, who, yeah, he's still in every single show doc that we do. He's a part of us. Michael Joseph Glennon will always be a part of this show. Um, and I, and I don't know if people saw that and our ratings are just going to go through the roof, but my mentions were basically just me getting tagged with Shefty a lot. (laughs) It was, it was so good. I'm so proud of our listeners. (laughs) I had probably like 15 to 20 notifications. I had stepped away from my phone and computer for a period of time to do something with the girls. And I came back and I saw just all of these alerts and I was like, what is happening? Looked and I am so proud of the DFS pod listeners because it was all about this news and how funny it is that people still associate our podcast with Mike Glennon, which is just um, incredible to say the least. So good on you. No, so this just reminds me, I've listened for a while to Living the Stream, which has uh, C.D. Carter and J.J. Zacharyson. And they made a call about Nick Foles like five, six years ago in a game, and people still remind them about it every single time. So I feel like Mike Glennon's going to be one of those players that you and I will never like, never get away from. I hope we get invited to like his 50th birthday party. But the biggest <laughs> issue I have this week is I can't play him. He's not even in the player pool. Like he's, I know. So what do I do? I don't know. I guess you got to pick him up in Dynasty. <laughs> that's the only way to do it. Yeah, pick him up in Dynasty, and uh, we'll be you know we'll we'll get our contacts in at Fanduel and DraftKings. We'll get a word in, make sure he's in the player pool because um, I'm just kidding. I don't even know if he's going to start. <laughs> he probably won't. No, no, he's he's definitely not going to, and he shouldn't. Um, but great friend of the show, Mike Glennon. Not a friend of the show, but basically is. Um, we do have one more announcement. I'm not going to blow the horn on this one, uh, but we are moving to one show a week starting next week for the playoffs. So those will be coming out on Friday and we go all the way through the playoffs. So keep that in mind, people. Um, I know your fantasy season might be done, but DFS keeps on going. And I just found out that my lineup is going to be on the fantasy face-off on Friday's show. So uh, this episode is another chance for you and I to kind of process together to build. Uh, I don't want to give any clues because Jason usually listens on his right in. So I feel pretty good about this process. I think cash is going to be difficult this week, but we're here with you. We understand there's backup running backs. There's players that are really gross that we're going to mention in cash. The nasty boys. It's a fun week. Yeah, the the nasty boys are clearly here this week. And yeah, we'll be here with you. If you want to get all of our picks, you can at DFSPass.com, DraftKings, FanDuel, Pace of Play article, 
and our points per dollar rankings will go all the way through the playoffs. So it will be a uh, quite a good time. But let's talk about our cash picks. Straight cash, homie. You know, I, I wanted to see if that drop would come through. And uh, the Nasty Boys drop is, is becoming one of my favorites because it's so quick when you talk about the gross players that you get to play in DFS and redraft. And we are going to be talking about them this week. Uh, for cash, we need to give a caveat that on FanDuel, that includes the Sunday night game between Detroit and Green Bay. So keep that in mind that we're going to be talking about a lot of these players. I will mention a couple of Green Bay players, which I think are in a good spot. Amon Raw, you can play him on FanDuel, but we'll mostly be talking about DraftKings. At the quarterback position, I currently have a player in my lineup that I think I'll have a hard time moving off of because it's very clear this team has a lot to play for, and that's Geno Smith. Yeah, and I think if you are playing cash, especially if you're spending up, and I consider spending up to be quarterback 6K and above, and at running back, you know, in the 7K range, at wide receiver, if you're in the 7 to 8K range, you better be making sure that player on this slate is playing all four quarters because they're expensive and so they have to do a lot to pay off their tag. And so in that scenario, I am going to prioritize the teams that we know have something to play for. And like you said, which, you know, Smith, it's very simple for Seattle. If they lose, they're out of the playoffs no matter what happens in the later games. So they have to win this game. We know he'll play all four quarters and it'll be business as usual for Geno taking on a Rams defense that he shredded for over 300 yards and three touchdowns just a month ago, basically. And I know he hasn't been as good as he was earlier this year. But again, I think some of that risk is mitigated by the fact that there's just security in knowing his role on this slate. And it's really tough to say that a lot about a lot of other quarterbacks, especially priced around him. So at 6K, I think he's a pretty good value. I have interest in a lot of the guys in this game on the Seahawks side of the ball. Um, if you're talking tournaments, which we'll talk about in a minute, and we'll talk about Ken Walker in a minute as well. But I like Gino. If you are spending up, though, I've kind of been looking at builds, and I think we're going to have the ability this week, Kyle, because there are going to be backup running backs that are going to project extremely well. We don't have the information now because we don't have, you know, for sure who's in, who's out. And really, the motivation for some of these teams is sinking quickly. So, like, I think we're going to get some 4K, 5K running backs. And if that happens, you'll be able to pay up for one of Jalen Hurts at 82 and Josh Allen at 8,400. Both of those guys have motivation. Right now, I'm leading Josh Allen just because, you know, like, 14-point spread for Philly. They could be done in two and a half quarters, three quarters max. And for Josh Allen, it's only a seven-point spread against New England. He's been very good against New England in his career. It's been an emotional week for Buffalo. They're at home. They return home. The crowd's going to be rocking for this game. I just feel like I want to lean into that with Josh Allen this, in the slate. Is it crazy to spend up for him? No. I, on FanDuel, he's in my lineup right now. And we'll talk about what could go wrong from a DFS perspective for the Eagles game and the Bills game. Because, yeah, there is a fear that you're not getting a full game out of these players. But... I just have more confidence in the Bills, more confidence in their situation. The problem, I, you know, I, I can talk myself into Hurts because he can get there in a half, right? We've seen him do that. We've seen this team put up 24 points in a half and then just cruise. But I think if you're you're looking at a player that if they're up by a ton, who's had some injury recently, like Hurts seems like a really good candidate to sit the second half or you know at least more than that, and the Giants are going to be playing backup. So I, I think it's just easier to side with Allen. I will also throw out Brock Purdy as another player that seems safe. We can at least say, like, okay, there's enough there. And then I want to get your thoughts because Jason legitimately wants me to talk about Sam Howell. I was, I was hoping we would talk about him. I don't think you have to play him in cash just because, like I said, you're going to have... 
you know, 4K running backs, 5K running backs, a couple wide receivers that we like in that range. And so it's easier to get up to the quarterbacks that are elite. But I kind of like Sam Howell as a tournament play. We've been talking about this Dallas defense for a while, saying, yes, they were great earlier this year, but they've been giving up a ton of big plays. And you think about his weapons. He has Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson's coming on. Even Logan Thomas had a good game last week. And so there are paths for Washington to get there. And if they want to see what they have in Sam Howell, it wouldn't make sense for them to say, okay, let's limit him to 20 pass attempts. Like they're probably going to want him to throw 25, 30 times and see what he can do as an NFL quarterback. Um, you know, later round pick out of UNC. He hasn't played yet in the NFL, but Dallas, like I said, they give up so many big plays and it's, it's the excitement of the unknown and he's so cheap. So I actually kind of like him a lot for tournaments this week as part of a stack with, you know, pick Terry McLaurin and uh, Curtis Samuel or, or John Dotson and Terry McLaurin or, or whatever you like. But I do like him actually in this game. You heard it here. Betts' slate breaker is Sam Howell. But yeah, 4,900. 4,900 is something that I've considered in cash because that's pretty cheap. That's what we want. And he runs. So, you know, I, I could see 20, 25 rushing yards. And if he gets, you know, a touchdown or, or so, like you're already there on a slate that might already be lower scoring. Like, let's be honest. The two highest totals on this slate, or, I mean, on this week are not even on the slate. So we're, we're like, we're struggling to find points. So if you got Sam Howell's at 4,900, if you got 13 points, would you be happy with that? Probably not for a tournament because you're still going to need some ceiling in this game. Right. In cash. In cash, it's fine. But like I said, I'm, I don't think I'm going to go there. I, I just feel like the slate, the way it's going to shake out, you'll be able to pay up for some of the studs. And to me, there's just enough risk in cash that I wouldn't go there. But like I said, in tournaments, I love it. I think it's really interesting. And you mentioned just the slate context. Like every game is below 43 points. That That's the slate on DraftKings. So like it's going to be low scoring in general. And 13 of those teams have a team total below 20 points. So again, it's it's going to be an interesting slate. But I do ha have him in my pool for GPPs. Just for me, I don't think you need to do it in cash. No, that's a good point. So Gino's kind of our top pick uh for safety, when you factor in price and motivation at running back, there's a bunch of guys in the 6K range that feel safe. Uh, Cam Akers at 6.1, Najee Harris at 6.1 as well, Ken Walker at 6.4. Like those guys are going to get 15 plus touches. I know Walker missed practice on Wednesday. Do we have an update on him? He's been missing. He hasn't practiced actually in the last uh, couple of weeks. They've been kind of limiting his reps just to keep him healthy and keep him going. So it's kind of business as usual. And I think he'll continue to see the workload. He's seen uh, 23 and I think 26 carries in his last two games. So clearly their approach has been, hey, it's late in the season. These are must-win games. Ken Walker, you're the dude. So yeah, the workload should be there. Um, and again, you talk about motivation. It's obviously there for Ken Walker. I would not play him with Gino personally. So it's a decision you have to make on the slate. But I think he's absolutely in your cash game pool. Um, as six and a half point favorites, you could definitely see that positive game script against uh, the Rams. All right. I, I, can I get gross for a second? Is that, is that all right? Nasty boys week. I, I, I really do think that you can, if you want to play Zach Moss, I didn't think I would say it, but I think you can based on the matchup, based on him getting 60 plus 60 plus percent of the snaps, 15 opportunities. Jeff Saturday wants to win. 5.2, you could do worse than that uh, against the Texans. Maybe one of the worst rush defenses over the last decade. So, it's gross. But I think you can do it. And then I have to throw out Jonathan Williams' name at 4.3. He's a commander. In case you didn't know, he saw nine opportunities last week. 
We know that Gibson was placed on IR. Do we have an update on Brian Robinson? He did not practice on Wednesday, dealing with a knee issue, and was not seen practicing today on Thursday as of our recording, and they haven't released the official. So it sounds like it's going to be a DNP Wednesday, Thursday, which obviously is not a good trend for a rookie that they they like him, right? He's part of their plans, I think, for next year. So if there's any doubt, I would think they'd sit him in this game. And so, yeah, it brings into the Washington backup running backs. They did elevate two guys from the practice squad uh, today, which could give you some signal of, yeah, maybe he does sit. So that one to me just feels a little sketchy. Uh, Jonathan Williams is almost 29 years old. He's been in the NFL for years. Is he a guy that they need to get a look at? I I doubt it, right? Like, I, I don't think so. But he's been on the roster and he's been getting some work in kind of the Antonio Gibson role when Gibson's been out and Robinson's been healthy. So this is one that I'm going to kind of pencil it in and say like, okay, maybe he's in my player pool, but we need to get more information out of Washington ahead of kickoff. It's tough because you can you can look at these games in week 18 or a number of different ways. Like, oh, they're only going to evaluate young talent. They also can say, hey, I don't really care. Let's give Jonathan Williams 15 to 20 carries if this is the end of the season and we want to end, you know, with a good record, like better record. Like, I don't know. They could go either way. He's cheap. So I needed to mention him as another one of the nasty boys this week. I think Tyler Algier is a better play, you know, at 5.6 against Tampa Bay. Are you interested in going back there? Because he's been an RB1 three straight weeks. Yeah, he's been good, and he's getting a lot of work, even though his snap count really isn't as elite as it could be. Like He's still playing between 50 and 60% of the snaps because he's splitting with Cordero Patterson, which is kind of annoying, but he's still getting enough work, 18, 23, and 21 total opportunities per game over his last three. And you know this is one of those fishy lines this week when you look at the Vegas lines. The Falcons are favored, even though Todd Bowles has said, hey, yeah, of course, never a doubt because they're such a good team. Uh, hey, we're going to play our starters. You know, we want to keep the momentum going. Vegas is saying, uh, I'm calling your bluff. We're going to make the Falcons favorite in this game. So if he's get, playing against Tampa Bay backups, he's going to get the workload. Yeah, he makes sense at 5.6K. Yeah, Todd Bowles is a liar. There's just there's, He's not playing his guys the whole game. Uh, there's no way you can have a ton of confidence in Bucks options. Um, last week, Falcons beat the Cardinals like the very end of the game. And I was watching it with my boys and I... I was telling him, like, look, look, our Falcons, like, they, they beat the Cardinals. That's the team here in Arizona. And all I could do in really was go, yay, we won. <laughs> but your bet, like, your bet hit, right? Because you had the, the points with Arizona. That's true. So I, I felt fine about that for a second, but then I also realized that my uh, Falcons under bet also didn't hit. Yeah. And that we get a worse draft pick. But anyway, uh, Falcons aside, let's finish talking about the San Francisco running backs and what we do with CMC and Jordan Mason. And is that just like a, man, we're going to have to wait and see here. Yeah, it's definitely wait and see mode because there's so many factors that are going on with San Francisco for the first thing to point out is that last time I looked, there were 14 point favorites. They have a, an outside chance at the one seed. If the Eagles lose and the Niners win, they should absolutely win against the Cardinals. That's not really a question. So they're going to be playing their starters for a portion of the game. If not all the game, depending on how close it stays, the thing with Christian McCaffrey is he picked up an ankle issue last week. And so you think about this team's postseason plans. Do they really want to push McCaffrey when they're 14-point favorites against Arizona? Eileen, probably not. So I feel like McCaffrey is the key to the backfield. If he is out, if he's ruled out, names to keep in your player pool are Jordan Mason at 5K, Tyrion Davis-Price, I think he's 4.6. And then the other key is Elijah Mitchell, who has been designated in the window to return. He's not on active uh, roster yet. 
But if they say, okay, you know, Mitchell's back, we want to give him some work before the postseason because he's going to be the the you know RB two behind McCaffrey. That makes sense to me. So it's just one of those situations that I think people need to monitor. The matchup is absolutely incredible. Again, they have one of the highest team totals on the slate, so they should roll. And if they're 5K or 4.6, like it makes a lot of sense in cash. So monitor Christian McCaffrey, monitor Elijah Mitchell, and let's really get some more details from San Francisco. But just want to pencil in like San Francisco running back against Arizona should be a very good play. I cannot emphasize enough how important late swap is on this slate for week 18 because things impact certain games. So for instance, whatever happens in the Baltimore Cincinnati game directly affects the Chargers and how competitive they want to be. And, you know, maybe Justin Herbert will start the game, you know, play a drive, play a quarter, whatever. But if Baltimore loses, there is nothing that the Chargers can gain in that game, and they're going to be playing the AFC South champs. So just keep in mind, like, what happens in the early games really does affect the later games. Same thing with these 49ers. uh, Same thing with just later on. Like, you're going to get information. So this is by far the hardest slate of the year, but there can be advantage to people that stay plugged in. On FanDuel, I just need to throw out Aaron Jones because that game is there at 7.4. Last year in Lambeau against the Lions, he had three touchdowns. He's just a big play guy, and I think think overall his price, when you factor that in, the Lions have been getting killed on the ground the last two weeks. I think he's a good play there on FanDuel. At wide receiver, I scrolled through, like as one does, right? Having the app out, just, you know, just scrolling. On the toilet. And... Uh, actually I was at my desk, oh, you know, a, just doing work professional. I know I was sitting at my desk on the DraftKings app and I was like, Oh no, is my employer going to be mad about this? Uh, the high price guys are really hard to pull the trigger on this year, this week. Like you look at your app and you go, man, I could play Tyreek. I could play Justin Jefferson, like AJ Brown. All of those guys come with question marks except for Tyreek, um, in a tough matchup, but well, he comes with question marks Stephon- with his quarterback. Oh, true. Your boy Skyler. Uh, Stephon Diggs is the one that stands out to me in terms of price, and I, I just like the Bills. I think they're in a spot where they're going to be competitive. So right now, Stephon Diggs at 7.9, 8.4 on FanDuel is my favorite of the high price tier. Do you have any of those guys up there that you, you like? Well, I was kind of ready to come in and start talking about Justin Jefferson and how this is just an incredible bounce-back spot and... You know, like they've said they want to play their starters and they need to get back on track after they just got destroyed in Lambeau the week before. But then I keep thinking about it, and it's like, okay, the Bears are starting Nathan Peterman. Like, the chances of this game staying competitive for more than a half is not great, and the total has come down. And there's a little bit to play for as far as seeding, but there's not a lot. Like, there's a really good chance the Vikings are locked into the three seed. So, do you see four quarters of Justin Jefferson? Do you see three quarters of Justin Jefferson? And at 9,100, he obviously can do it because he's so good. It just makes it much more risky to pay up for that in cash. So I'm not going there. I think he's a good tournament play for those reasons. But yeah, I'm with you. If you are spending up like Steph Diggs, kind of for the same reason as Josh Allen, they're motivated, they're at home. And I don't think they want to go into the playoffs with like basically not playing in week 17 and then sitting their guys in week 18. So they want to get this thing going back on track. Um, And he's, you talked about this in pace of play. He has killed the Patriots in his career. They play a ton of man coverage. Steph Diggs, one of the best route runners in the game. You can't cover him with man coverage. So I do love Steph Diggs if you're paying up. I think that Allen Diggs stack is very much in play this week. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. There's just, it's really hard when you're starting to look at these other plays and can you convince yourself, you know, you look at CeeDee Lamb, you look at all these other guys that are priced around him and you're like, I just don't have confidence. Keep in mind that there will be players like Justin Jefferson that can get it done in a half 
And I can do that in GPPs. We're talking about cash. We're trying to mitigate risk. We're trying to have a high floor lineup uh, that we're not taking zeros from players that just play a quarter or whatever. Drake London shows up in a lot of optimals right now. He's 4.9. I, I like him a lot. His target share is 38% since Desmond Ritter's been the quarterback. So you can't ask for more in terms of a high floor right now with Drake London. Him and Garrett Wilson always feel like they're right there. You know you're going to get targets. Uh, Garrett Wilson's averaging 10 targets with Mike White. So I like both of those players in the me- middle range. Rashid Shahid. 4.2, the Saints wide receiver. He's a big play guy. I looked this up since week 10. He has the same yards per route run as Tyreek Hill. So you're getting big plays. It also feels like the bottom could fall out. But, I mean, this this Panthers team just decided, hey, you know what? Mike Evans deep. We don't want to cover that last week. And that's what Rashid Shahid is. So is he interesting to you? Yeah, and just to speak to it too, like the the J.C. Horn injury is a pretty big deal for perimeter corner uh, wide receivers. Excuse me, against Carolina, they've been giving up a ton of production, and against the pass over the last month, thirty first in EPA, twenty eighth in explosive pass rate allowed. And like you said, Shahid is a burner who can win downfield, and he's playing a ton. And so, yeah, it does feel like a guy that you don't need in cash because again, I think we're going to have a lot of value that opens up as the weekend goes on, but. If he does get overlooked for some reason because of the fact that there is more value that does open up, I like him for a big play upside type of guy, whether it's in cash or especially if he goes overlooked in tournaments at 4,200. I'll also throw out, you know, if you want to go 2-2 Atwell, Greg Dortch, those other sub-4K names, be my guest. I don't love it. I also don't like Greg Dortch after last week. And what's so impressive about Greg Dortch was turning 10 targets into 15 yards. How does that happen? So I watched the entire game as a Falcons fan, and it was very clear whenever he got the ball, I go, oh, this is going to be a dud play. Because there's little screens, little ding. And some of those targets, like there was one, a, a pretty important third down where he just straight fell down. So Greg Dortch is what he is. He's uh, going to be out of the league in two years. So uh, on FanDuel, Christian Watson is available. And that is quite tempting at 6.9 against the Lions who give up a ton of big plays. Uh, you know, since he's really like come on as like a full-time player, I think it was like week nine or week 10, his targets per route run is 26%. So he's the dude. I like him a lot. I will be playing one of those Packers in my FanDuel lineup. For sure. Yeah, they're both, I think, really good plays. And you could even throw Alan Lazard in like a tournament pool if you're stacking that game on FanDuel, which I really wish it was on drafting because I, I love that game environment. Um, But yeah, Christian Watson, to speak to it too, last week, coming off the hip issue. Remember, he was DMP, DMP limited, game time decision. He didn't play a full lot in the snaps. I think he'll be a lot healthier in this game. Um, you know, it's a must-win game. It's prime time. Aaron Rodgers is going to go to his dudes. And Christian uh, Christian Watson, excuse me, has been starting to carve out that role as the alpha in this game and in this uh, game environment that you like. The matchup literally cannot be better against the Lions. So I love Christian Watson on FanDuel. All right, let's finish up with tight end and defense. Um I kept staring at Mark Andrews' price. Me too. At five point, <laughs> and I just said, "Will I ever get this again? Will this ever be this low?" And it's it's like a stock price. You want to buy it when it's low. It's going to shoot up, but obviously we don't care. It's just one week. So five point four, Mark Andrews. Like we don't even know how much he's going to play, though. Yeah, this is one that we need to make sure that we're monitoring. And, and honestly, by the time this podcast comes out on Friday, like people might know what the NFL has decided about 
the Cincinnati and Buffalo game from this past Monday night as far as what they're going to score it or if they're going to play it or, or what, because that really does matter. And what it comes down to is basically if the Ravens have a chance to play for the division title in this game, they'll play their starters. If they don't, they're pretty much locked into, um, I think it's the sixth seed, if I'm not mistaken, Kyle, in the AFC. So Correct. at that point, they'd have minimal to nothing to play for. They could finish no worse than the sixth seed. So there is some risk, and you're seeing this in the betting market, that there might not be as much motivation because you know, we think the Bengals will take care of business. And if that's the case, when you have a quarterback banged up on Lamar Jackson, Tyler Huntley's been on the injury report the last couple of weeks, the shoulder issue, they're clearly like they're playing for the postseason. So there's some risk with Mark Andrews. That said, if this Bengals and Ravens game matters for the division, I'm very interested in Mark Andrews. We finally saw him get back on track, nine targets, nine catches for 100 yards. But it's not just last week. Like He's had volume every week he's been out there. It just hasn't actually happened. And it finally did. And like you said, you kind of view this as like a stock market. Players are at the lowest they probably will ever be again for Mark Andrews at 5,400. And again, I keep going back to it. If you have more value at running back, at wide receiver, and you can just play Mark Andrews at 5.4 instead of like, you know, Hunter Henry or someone else at like 3.3, like I'm playing Mark Andrews, right? So it just depends on what the rest of the slate looks like. Again, make sure you're monitoring Friday into Saturday. A couple other tight ends. Jelani Woods of the Colts at 2.9 is cheap. He's on the field. Uh, Hunter Henry at 3.3 only because Jonu Smith has been missing practice. He's interesting. And then if you want to pay up a little bit more, I do not mind Tyler Higby in a great matchup against Seattle, who's worst against tight ends on the year. And with Baker Mayfield, he he's leading the team in target share. So keep in mind, this isn't like old Tyler Higby where it's like, oh, maybe you get you know some other stuff. Like he's the dude, uh, especially with all the other wide receivers out. At defense, I'm playing the Jets. There, I said it. Yep, they are 2.6. And they are taking on the Skylar Thompson-led Dolphins, I think, at this point, with major issues on the offensive line. Um, Tron Armstead is another name to monitor this week. He missed last week, and the splits with him on and off are massive. And that's with the starting quarterback. So, yeah, the Jets are in play. They're a good defense taking on the Skylar Thompson. I don't think you have to really get cute here. Yeah, especially, like, the Dolphins are motivated. It's not like Skylar Thompson is just going to be mailing it in. Like, he's so he'll be throwing, to I get- think. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like a perfect situation of a great defense who's cheap. They're favored against a team that needs to throw and a train wreck of a quarterback. So, yes, I, I like that a lot. You could go Houston if you wanted to get different. The Niners, if you really wanted to pay up and just say, I want to stick it to David Blau, uh, you can do that. And then on FanDuel, I don't mind the Dolphins. Like if, if you wanted to pick the Dolphins as like a tournament play, they look good. Or the Vikings at 3.7, you can certainly go there as well. Let's take a quick break before we break down these games. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even the speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. All right, before we break down a couple of games, this uh, this is a tough week. I mentioned that earlier. So... Let's talk about some general strategy points for Week 18 that I think we need to mention to people. 
And I, I talked about late swap earlier, but I think the field doesn't do this enough, and they're not going to do this, especially at the end of the year, like, all right, I'm just playing my lineup. So there are some players, there are some situations where if you're in a tournament and you look at somebody who's chalking the afternoon window, like a, a running back, uh, Cam Akers, or uh, the, the Seattle players, I think they're going to be a little bit more chalkier. There's chances for you to get different if you're behind in cash, but there's also chances for you to just say like, hey, I can't play Chargers anymore. Or you can say, now I can play Chargers. I bet people's initial builds will be to not have a ton of Chargers in their lineups. We're not even talking about that game. And the line already moved. But there are some valuable options that you can look at uh, this week. So any other thoughts you have for strategy and late swap? Uh, you're right that late swap is massively important on this slate, especially because a lot of these games that we're talking about that really do have big implications are in the late window. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities to pivot on or off teams with motivation or that lose motivation to win, that there's risk of playing you know, their starters fewer um, snaps or series. And I really do think this is a phenomenal GP week. I'm going to play a little cash. I'm not going to prioritize it because this is just so much variance and you definitely want to embrace that for tournaments. Um, I also think too, when you think about our normal approach of like, okay, we stack these games, you know, double stack, bring it back. I don't think that's important on this slate personally, just because there aren't as many games that really you think can be pushed back and forth. Again, the Eagles favored by two touchdowns, the Niners favored by two touchdowns and all these other games are like 38 and a half points. So you're really that excited about the Browns and the Steelers. No, you're, you're not right. So I'm prioritizing teams with motivation, teams with high team totals. And players that project well that are going to come with minimal roster percentage because it's going to be very hard to predict what the field is going to do. So I think we're going to see a lot of good plays come in at, you know, eight, nine, ten percent um, in the roster percentage report. So it is a slate to play GPPs, in my opinion, and I'm not giving as many rules as far as I would for correlation like I would on most slates. No, it's a good point. If you're going to get off the board, this is the week to do it. And we'll talk about some of those plays. Stack attack. So as you mentioned, those Eagles are 14-point home favorites. The over-under is 43. It's kind of a big deal, this game, because we get the number one seed. That's what they want. They get a bye week. I was writing this up in the pace of play, and I said, is there any reason you need to play a giant this week? And I was even searching, like, okay, who is the you know, wide receiver I'm searching for? Because I don't, I can't say that they're going to be playing Slayton, Hodgins, or James a full allotment of snaps. That's what I'm assuming. And I even looked over the last, you know, month. No other wide receiver has seen a target other than those three. So you can't really have any information to say, oh, it's this person. Your boy David Sills was elevated from the practice squad. So there's the dart throw. But here's what I looked up, Betts. What do teams do in the very last week of the season that are favored by two touchdowns. Because that, that's helpful. That's what we have here. Uh, how does it actually work out? Those teams, uh, over the last decade, there's been 13 teams in the last week that were two touchdown favorites. They went 13-1, and one, and uh, I love it. The one loss was uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick somehow beating Tom Brady. Love that. Which was, which was awesome. But the favored teams averaged 31.7 points, and all of them scored at least three touchdowns. So I think that's what we're seeing with the Eagles. Three touchdowns is the baseline to work with. The question is, how do you see that getting spread out? That is the question, and I'm going to be taking shots here. So my approach is saying if the Eagles, you know, let's say that they put up 25, 28, 30 points in three quarters, 
like Jalen Hurts and his wide receivers and Miles Sanders are going to get there, right? So it's just a matter of figuring it out. I really like Miles Sanders going back to him because there's been some steam on him in recent weeks and he's disappointed and then he's kind of been overlooked and he's gone off and the field doesn't really know how to value him. But when you think about 14 point home favorites against a Giants team that he just shredded, you know, four weeks ago, just went absolutely bonkers. You can run all over the Giants and that's their starter. So if they're playing a couple backups on the defensive line, a couple of backup linebackers, like Miles Sanders can absolutely rip off a long play and get in the end zone. So at 5,900 on DraftKings, I have a lot of interest in him. My other approach is going to be saying, okay, Jalen Hurts is dealing with a sprained shoulder. This team clearly wants to make the Super Bowl run. They want to get the one seed, but you could probably let Jalen Hurts operate as a pocket passer and not have to run that much given the risk of contact to that shoulder. So if he is a traditional pocket passer, it brings in more double stacks for his wide receivers and Dallas Goddard than it does for a single stack, which we normally do. And that approach also would say, okay, then there's going to be more opportunity for Miles Sanders on the goal line. So I don't have a strong lean on how it's going to go because the matchup is so good either way. I just think we're going to see less rushing from Jalen Hurts here. And so my main appeal is in his wide receivers from a double stack and then Miles Sanders in a positive game script. Yeah, I think that's, I think that both players can get there. Like, let's say Miles Sanders scores two on the ground and Devonta Smith gets a, you know, he's seven for 90 in a touchdown or, or, you know, something like five for a hundred in a score. Like that's how you can see this game go. It's just also could be completely spread around. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kenneth Gainwell get some more work, you know, just if they're ahead, I'm only bringing his name up because he's the exact same price as Jonathan Williams at 4,300. So in a tournament, I don't think that's crazy uh, considering Williams is getting some steam as a cheapie. I just don't have anybody on the giant side that I, I would even consider thinking about. Yeah, I, I mean, you mentioned like backup players possibly playing a lot of this game. Kind of interesting in Kenny Galladay <laughs> as a player that might literally be playing like every snap in this game, and that's not a joke. Um, I saw this on Twitter today. He needs, I think it's 76 catches this week <laughs> to get a bonus. People are talking about player incentives and bonuses. He only needs 76 catches this week, Kyle, to hit a bonus. So I legitimately think Kenny Galladay is kind of an interesting like tournament play. Um, Tyrod Taylor is probably going to be starting in this game. He's not a terrible backup relative to the other backups in the league. So if you do want to stack this game again, you don't have to. But if you do, it's disgusting to even say these words. But I think Kenny Galladay might be my favorite GPP option on this slate. No, we're going to get that soundbite. We're going to clip that out and make sure people... <laughs> Only clip it when stone... he goes like 4 for 85 and a score. He's a stone man. I mean, what a great story that would be for DFS only. Uh, Kenny, Kenny G at 3K. Tyro just doesn't throw enough like to even like really warrant me saying, oh, they're going to you know really let him go for it. So I will be playing Eagles. I think you can play him as one-offs. I probably won't be stacking Jalen Hurts, though. Fair. And and real quick, too, before we move on from this game, I did just want to circle back to Miles Sanders. I do think it's important for us to mention. I almost put him in as a cash game play for our show and in the DFS pass, but then I thought about it. If you watched last week's game, he had just 40% of the snaps, basically didn't play his whole allotment of snaps because he's been on the injury report with a knee issue. He was playing with a knee brace last week, which clearly is not his normal. So something is going on with that left knee for Miles Sanders. So again, GPP only given the matchup and game script. Just want to point out there's Definitely a floor that is risky for cash with Miles Sanders. So for me, no way in that scenario. All right, let's talk about this next game. Oh, actually, do I even need to give a Vegas, a Vegas take here? I take I take the Eagles and the points. I think I would too, which is just like 
the lamest bet to make because guarantee they're going to win by like 13 now or something. But yeah, I mean, Philly minus 14 seems like a pretty good one for this week. Yeah, at least we get to have, or we had all those uh, Eagles and uh, Bills to reach the playoff bets hit. You know, that's that's, that's that's all we care about. Next one is New England at Buffalo. The line is Buffalo minus seven. The over-under is 42 and a half. We don't care about over-unders this week. But New England is motivated. They need to win to get in. Technically, they can lose. And uh, Miami has to lose. Pittsburgh lose. Like, there's other scenarios. But they're trying to win. Buffalo is hard. Hard to read because we care about what happens in the Kansas City game on Saturday night. By the way, the Chiefs, I looked this up, they haven't lost a road divisional game since 2017. They haven't lost a road divisional game on like a Sunday or Saturday or Sunday uh, since 2014. So they're uh, they're, they're pretty good. Mahomes pretty good is game. just, he's unreal, man. Unreal. Well, it's crazy to even think that before Mahomes, you know, Alex Smith, like, they were just great and were really good in division. Uh, so the Chiefs game kind of affects this game, but there is still a scenario if they make up that other game and resume it that you know this game is important. So I'm going into this, going into the week, thinking that Buffalo is playing their starters, and I think you are too in our analysis, but things can change. So if Buffalo plays their starters, is this really simple? You skinny sack Josh Allen, and you find a bring back on the Patriots side. That's, I think, what I'm going to do. And, you know, when you think about Buffalo and you think about the matchup, you're going to see red next to Josh Allen and Steph Diggs because New England has been pretty good in their metrics against their season-long statistics. But when you look at their splits versus, you know, pretty bad quarterbacks, they're excellent. When they play competent to really good quarterbacks, they struggle. And Josh Allen is a, a player that you bet on no matter what the matchup is. So we talked about it in cash. But again, just for tournaments, like, obviously, Steph Diggs is in play. I think you... You live and die with Gabe Davis and GPPs. You understand the floor is there, but you also understand the ceiling is there. And so I have a lot of interest in those two guys. Um, Dawson Knox is a, a touchdown or bust guy, so it's hard to really talk about him in any you know positive or negative way. Like, if you catch a touchdown, he's good. So keep him in your player pool. But yeah, I think the point is like we're confident in Buffalo at home, especially Josh Allen and his pass catchers. Yeah, the, the thing you lean into with Gabe Davis, even if the results haven't been there, because he's been a top 30 wide receiver four times this year. That's it. Uh, and it's been a long time since we've seen him really just bust out is that he has really strong correlation with Allen. So you just keep going there. We know in the playoffs, Gabe Davis playoff King is, is your boy bet. So we'll, we'll, yep. we'll when be you, talking when you lose him, this so. week. You say to your husband or your wife, Hey honey, I, I know I lost again this week in DFS, but the correlation with Gabe Davis and Josh Allen is there. So I had to play it. <laughs> 0.53 in their last 17 games. I mean, come on, people. This is good. Uh, who is the Patriots player that you are excited about? Because I have a take. I don't know if it's a hot take. Probably is. But there's somebody there that I think can have value. Ramondre has been doo-doo recently, but he's going to get some work. I think Damian Harris is still going to get some work. Jacoby Myers is the obvious, like, dud. Like, oh, yeah, I can play Jacoby Myers, but I'm never excited <laughs> as a bring back. Jacoby Myers. <laughs> what the boring. heck was that play? He's the most boring player there is on the planet. Yeah. He's a wannabe Keenan Allen. He has zero upside. Well, Keenan Allen is upside. Come on, come on. Don't don't tell me that. But True. And I'm also, uh, to be fair, I have a massive bias against Jacoby Myers at this point in time because last week I played uh, one of our writers, Jeff Greenwood. We have a dynasty league with a bunch of the writers. 
Who did he play? Jacoby Myers, who caught a random deflection for like a 60-yard touchdown last week. So I'm uh, I'm a little salty about that. But yeah, man, I'm with you. And to speak to Myers, too, he is dealing with a bit of a shoulder issue, so that's something to monitor this week. But I think the name that you were going to talk about is the rookie, Taquan Thornton. That's exactly what I'm going for. 3300 He's cheap. You know, you're going to get big plays. And surprisingly enough, Mac Jones and the Patriots, they rank 10th in explosive pass rate. So you do get some big plays. It's kind of been spread out this year between, you know, Myers, Parker, Kendrick Bourne had a good game recently. Nelson Aguilar shows up, you know, twice a year. But I think Tyquan Thornton is at least the one that I can say rookie, talented, end of the year. Uh, I, I at least will be willing to go there in tournaments as a bring back. I don't think you have to have Patriots, but uh, they're going to be competitive in this game. I can see Mac Jones throwing the ball 40 plus times. So I will, I think there's somebody on the Patriots side is it Hunter Henry who gets in the end zone. He's cheap too. So is that kind of your thinking with the Patriots? Yeah, I think those two are my favorite Thornton and Henry, especially Henry. If uh, Johnny Smith is out, I know you mentioned the practice statuses were with him or something we're monitoring this week. He was back today on Thursday. I think it'll officially be limited. So he basically has a couple of days to clear protocol. And that's just a matter of pre- tracking the news. And and if he's out, Hunter Henry's role last week without Johnny was awesome. Almost every single drop back he ran uh, a route. He also drew six targets, which for a tight end in that range, you'll take. So yeah, I think those two guys, because they're so cheap, they make a lot work with your game stack and your lineup in general that I love both those guys on DraftKings. They're so cheap. This is a game that I would abstain, right? I mean, there's no way I could place any sort of wager on this game because it's so dependent on what happens before. You know, you could see Buffalo jump out to an early lead. Uh, I just, I like Mac Jones from a volume standpoint. So if you can find a prop that kind of has his over, I I think that's totally fine because Patriots want to win, but I'm abstaining from giving a Vegas take. Is that okay? Uh, I think that's fine. I, I'm going to take assuming the game matters because, again, we're recording this a little early. So assuming the game matters and Buffalo plays their starters, I would lay the points. Just I feel like sometimes there's emotional things in sports where teams just rally around each other. Buffalo had a crazy right. week, and obviously that DeMar Hamlin situation is the most important thing in the NFL right now. This team comes home. They're rallying. It's a divisional game. I think Josh Allen goes bonkers. I think the Bills take care of business. Last game we're going to talk about is the LA Rams at the Seattle Seahawks. Once again, the total isn't that great, 41 and a half. But this game screams motivation. It screams Geno Smith potentially wrestling away the comeback player of the year award. Like, would you would you say that he, I mean, it's really close. It's been close between Saquon, between Geno, between CMC. I feel like if Geno wins this game, they get in the playoffs, you know, Packers lose. Like, I think he wins it. Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, I think if they lose, he's not going to win the award. Right. So they have to win. But yeah, it's really close. And I don't have a strong lean. Like I, I could see it being any of those guys, all three, CMC, Saquon, or Gino. But yeah, Gino has been a major reason that this team is even in playoff contention. So he makes sense. I have a CMC ticket from before the season that I would hate if I won that. But also, can I just sidebar here? The one thing I do not like at all about the way that awards work and the way awards markets work is it's what have you done for me recently? And they shift so much that depending on when you lose, it's it totally shifts everything. So like it seemed like Nick Sirianni was like a shoe in for coach of the year, right? Like, but they've been losing recently where now the markets are changing where Kyle Shanahan's a favorite in some places. Brian Dable's really close. 
But like, let's say the Eagles lost three games at the beginning of the year and they've won 13 straight. Like, let's say that that was their record and they get the number one seed. It would be very clear that Nick Sirianni would be the coach, like hands down. It's the timing of the losses that always just bugs me. Yeah, the awards are so silly too because it's also people vote on them and so it's like opinion-based. So yeah, it's I don't love those award markets. They're fun to root for and bet on, but there's a lot of, um, I think, issues with how they're given out. So I'm with you. Like Jalen Hurts, okay? So he was the betting favorite. Let's say that he misses week two and three as opposed to these last couple of ones, I think it would be a dead heat between him and Mahomes. Instead, it's far and away in the betting markets, Mahomes. So it, it just it just changes a lot. So realize that. I think last year we got on board with Aaron Rodgers late as like, okay, things could shift. So I'm just, you know, just wanted to say some things because that just always drives me insane when you look at betting markets. Well, so real quick, who, Smith, would you, who would you bet on for, or who would you, who would you be your pick for coach of the year? For coach of the year? Yeah. Um, I, I think I'd give it to Brian Dable. I do too. I mean, look at what they've done with the, like, they don't have that much talent and how, like how good they're doing and they're winning. So I think it's Brian Dable first year head coach as well. We talk about those in the off season. Uh, we talk about different awards and betting markets and we check in with those. So that's another fun part of the off season. We'll get to evaluate certain teams. So I love talking about that stuff. Uh, so Gino is somebody we're really high on this week. The Rams wake 27th in EPA per pass attempt. He shredded them a couple weeks ago. Lockett and Metcalf both went off. I think you can play Metcalf in cash. Like I feel full, totally fine with that. But in GPP, stacking Geno Smith makes a ton of sense. Uh, so how are you handling this game on the Seahawks side? Honestly, all their guys are in play. You talk about Geno. We said it in cash. I think you can double stack him for tournaments. And you even mentioned you can play Metcalf in cash. And we also talked about Ken Walker. So I think we're pretty confident just in the motivation levels, the playing time. Um, my favorite play on this team, just considering you know, projected workload and volume is Ken Walker. That said, I think he will be popular in tournaments. And so I do like the idea of trying to find a second piece in addition to Metcalf to stack Geno with. Tyler Lockett would be the obvious choice, but there is a small issue to look at. He picked up a leg injury last week. They haven't said, you know, as far as his availability this week, what the concern is. I would be absolutely shocked if he doesn't play in a must-win game. But let's not forget, also last week, you know, coming back from the finger issue, that was a concern as well. So Tyler Lockett, to me, is not cash viable for those reasons, but totally in play for tournaments. But another name that I think you should keep in your player pool if you are going to double-stack Geno is Colby Parkinson. Uh, 2,700 is dirt, or no, 2,600, even cheaper. Dirt cheap, seven targets last week. Will Disley's on IR, his year's over. The Rams have allowed seven touchdowns to tight ends since their week seven bye week. And in that sample, that's the most in the NFL. So if you're just looking for a touchdown from your tight end, you could do worse than Colby, uh, Colby Parkinson. Who's, would you, I wouldn't call him your boy. People always ask like, okay, I would call him your favorite player in the league. Oh yeah. I got I got every jersey, every alternate that the Seahawks have. I got it. Home, away. Parkinson's the dude. I can't wait. That There will be a day when you and I win a giant, massive tournament. And I just want to buy a jersey of a really dumb player that just got me there. Just that, <laughs> this like, week, man, oh, it's Colby Parkinson. Hey, why not? Let's do it. Uh, it's interesting because both tight ends, I think, are in play in this game. Uh, Tyler Higby, I mentioned earlier, is a great cash play. Totally like that. Is it going to be, if people are stacking this game, are they going to double stack Geno and then bring him back with either Akers or Higby? Like, 
is, is that going to be the common construction? I think so. But I also, you know, I think there's a good chance that Cam Akers probably goes under the radar this week just because Ken Walker is going to project so well. And they're only a couple hundred dollars apart on DraftKings. So easy price point pivot that even if that is going to be kind of the way that we think we should stack this game if we're going to, I still think it's in play. I mean, Cam Akers' workload is insane. 25 and 21 total opportunities in the last two games. Since week 13, he's handling over 80% of the running back carries. He makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we know everything about the Seahawks says you can run on them. Uh, it makes sense to me to bring it back with Cam Akers. All right. Give me your Vegas take. I'm actually going to take the Rams to cover the spread. Dang it. Is okay, that what you're doing so too? Yeah, I thought I was being a little sneaky here. So we have our office pool. Uh, this is something we do every single year. And everybody makes their picks based on the spreads. And... It's come down to the final week where I'm slightly behind Andy, and I think you're slightly behind me. You're like one or two. Uh, pretty I'm trying close. to look right now. I think we're actually tied. No, stop it. Stop it. No, there's you're way too far behind me. No. Hold no on. way. I'm looking at I'm looking at the wrong thing. But Andy we're, has we're a, in the top we're both in the top four. Okay, so I oh, I'm, I'm in the one top behind two. you. Sorry, one behind okay, you. Okay, so you, I'm just killing it. <laughs> Andy's at 129 you're at 125 I'm at 124 so we all have a chance to win this thing this week yes and last year famously went in the final week where Andy had been leading for the entire year and I wrestled it away from him so I've made many points of giving him bad information this week about teams to take but I also strategy wise I kind of have to get off the board you and I to beat yeah, Andy because second, second place doesn't matter in this competition you ain't first or last so, yeah, there you go or yes I, I will take the Rams Wink, wink, uh, in this game. <laughs> All right. So, so you've been you waiting. actually taking the Rams? <laughs> yeah, I, I would take the Rams in points. That's what I do. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, uh, so these are the last slate breakers of the year. And, um, you know, it's it's something where I think it's really tough to get sponsors in week 18. Just let, let you know, people. They see that people aren't into it. Uh, they see that overall it's not something that, you know, a lot of people uh, – are listening to, but the sponsor of this week is Book It, the uh, the reading company that sponsored kids to uh, to read and get pe- free Pizza Hut. I know all about that. I was very much into that when I was in elementary school. Oh man, I I I I'll read a book for that mom for pizza. You bet. I, think I even I'll fake read books. Like I would just tell my mom I read them. <laughs> the How pizza. dare you? You're out of the book club, the off season DFS book club. Ah, <laughs> uh, come for on, that kind of information. Uh, no, I've definitely definitely done that a time or two. Uh, so I'll start us off with the slate breaker. Mine is none other than Chris Olave. I started off the year strong with him. It's been quiet recently. And I think that the field says, I will be playing Rashid Shahid. Why not pay up for a player that we would say is way more talented, that was drafted highly in a great matchup against the Panthers, who are 27th in pass DVOA, 24th in EPA per pass attempt. And Chris Olave has historic numbers for a rookie wide receiver in terms of routes, yards per route run, uh, targets per route run. He's awesome. Next year, Chris Olave is going to be a fourth round pick. Like he's going to be somebody in redraft leagues that people are excited about as a wide receiver too. You should be excited about him. It's been a bit of a hiccup, but I think he's somebody that can break the slate and be used as a leverage point on Rashid Shahid. I think it's really interesting, uh, that take. And also to speak to it, I could see him even being a higher redraft pick if they really upgrade a quarterback position here. So obviously you love the talent from a dynasty perspective. He's awesome. He's a really good leverage play this week. 
I am going back to the well with another player that I love, a player that will not get played this week, and a player that has no motivation to perform, but is the heartbeat of his team, and that is Terry McLaurin with Sam Howell under center. If you're Sam Howell, you're stepping into your first game, you're saying, how do I look good for my team? And and for, for me to prove to them that I have a chance to be their starter, you target the heck out of your best playmaker, and that is Terry McLaurin. The Cowboys, they are motivated to win this game, but let's be real, like, if the Eagles are taking care of business, are they going to push their starters all four quarters? I'd be surprised. So you either get Terry McLaurin in a great matchup against starters, Dallas, bottom five in explosive pass rate allowed, or against their backups. That sounds like a recipe for success for me in a tournament. I think he is a incredible GPP play this week. There is zero bias in this segment. People realize that. Chris Olave, <laughs> Terry McLaurin, <laughs> zero bias this week. Uh, week 18, we're just uh, we're here trying for to make... Yeah. All right. Let's prop it up. Prop it like it's hot. We are going through the playoffs, talking about props. And honestly, you get to get even more laser focused when you get to look at just a couple of games as opposed to, you know, 13, 15 games every single week, 16. So I love the season we're in with props. I love that we're, you know, getting people interested, just kind of saying, hey, you look at projections all the time. This is another way to do it. I will give my prop first. It's your boy, Jarek McKinnon, who's, let's be honest, he's on fire. Five straight games with the receiving touchdown. His line is 30 and a half receiving yards. I will take the over on that. The Raiders rank 27th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. And the most important part that I care about, the most running back receiving yards allowed in the NFL. It's a must-win game for Kansas City. And I think that line is too low. Can I read you his last four? Sure. Receiving yards, 52, 31, 70, 112. Sounds pretty good to me. I'll take it. And that's also a game, too, with motivation for the Chiefs to win. So makes sense. I'm going to roll with a a prop that currently, as of this recording, is not available on on the books. It's only on Price Picks and Underdogs. So give some shout out and some love to our listeners who play over there. But look for this on the books as well. I'm taking Trevor Lawrence over 250 and a half passing yards on price picks is 254 and a half on underdog. I love them both. You think about the Titans and how you beat them. It is not running the football. It is passing. They are a team that is facing a massive pass rate and also giving up a ton of production through the air to quarterbacks, allowing the second most pass yards, 311 per game. They're 26 in explosive pass rate, 31st in pass EPA. And back in week 14, when these teams played Trevor Lawrence went bonkers with 368 yards against these Titans. So give me the over 250 and a half. I just ran to underdog to place that right now. Here we go. There you go. Now, yep. If you want to get all those picks, you can get them in the DFS pass, but let's finish off with some questions. Mailbag. So this is our last mailbag uh, that we're going to do uh, for the regular season. And the best way to get questions answered through the playoffs is in our discord channel. If you want to be a part of that group, it is an exclusive, but also inclusive group. When it comes to you getting to share whatever level, I love seeing people in the Discord that are saying, "Hey, the guys mentioned this. Can you explain what a bringback is, or can you explain this stuff?" And we have that on the site. But I, I love our listeners. I love our Discord members. They're kind people that can point you in the right direction if you're just beginning, or if you just want to talk stuff out and say, "Hey, is this a good GPP play? This is a good lineup." You can do that in the Discord. First question is from TD Westlow. Are you avoiding? Or treading more carefully in cash this week where there are so many playing time and motivation concerns. 
And then another question in the same vein is from at Chalk Sage. In a week like this, do you guys see valuing? Uh, do you see value <laughs> in prioritizing players that have playoff implications in cash and backups in GPP? Sorry, the dog just, he loves week 18. This is his favorite week of the year. He's really excited to play tournaments. Um, yes, to speak to that general approach, I think it is very important on this slate to understand that motivation matters and you don't want to risk it, especially for players that you're paying up for in cash. And so that's why I'm, I'm taking shots in GPPs, whether it is on backups or just you know starters that might get overlooked. But I think for cash, we're pretty much locked into saying you really want to prioritize players that you know are going to play the vast majority of their game that project well from a points per dollar perspective. It's not like Justin Jefferson can't be a good play this week. It's just that he's expensive. And so to get there, he has to do it, right? So he's just risking cash. Whereas other guys we talked about are going to play all four quarters and they have motivation. That is what I'm prioritizing on this slate for cash. Yeah. This week I'm going to probably flip it where I'm normally 70 or 60, 70% cash. I will probably be 25, 30% cash. It's just not something that I'm, super excited about but I, I think there can be an advantage if you're just you know looking at dfs pass uh it's a good way to build a bankroll uh next question is from i got worms on discord <laughs> incredible i know has there been any good studies that have analyzed which dsts have the best chance of having a big week like 15 plus points it almost feels like a crap shoot every single week and you know what it is it is a crap shoot because here's the deal you and I project from a medium outcome. When people look at points per dollar in the DFS pass, we're trying to give a medium. This is most likely over the course of a year or whatever. You know, when you give Mike Williams, the one of the most volatile players that people always recognize, a projection, you are trying to give a median outcome. But there's clearly a ceiling and a floor for Mike Williams that doesn't always hit that. With defense, it is so much harder because a touchdown is not something you can project. It's 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 not something you can bank on at all. So a big week is really hard, but I, there's a couple of things that you and I are trying to point people in the right direction. Yes, you can go against a really bad offense, but maybe that offense is just three and out so much, they're super inefficient, and you just don't get enough opportunities, aka the Texans, right? Like, hey, Lovey Smith is totally fine going three and out. They're totally fine not pushing ball down the field, they're totally fine playing Royce Freeman, Rex Burkhead, and Dario Goombawale as much as they can and giving them the rock. But there are other teams that they're throwing way more, and so you're getting more opportunities for sacks, more opportunities for just big plays, and that's that's what the Colts have been doing recently, where it's like, hey, Nick Foles is going to keep dropping back, and he stinks. So that, to me, is where you start to see a tear break. Yeah, the, to answer the question, like there are studies that look at that have proven over and over again that fantasy, you know, projections are terrible at capturing a good defensive play. That's why we always give the caveat, not just of like, here's our best plays of like, Hey, they're going to be popular. Do not play them because the chances of them hitting a floor outcome is very, very likely. The chances of hitting a ceiling outcome is not likely. And it it's crazy. Every week we see it right last week, the uh, 49ers right. were, 30 35 40 percent in tournaments I, that is just insane like if there's ever an edge in tournaments that is it is don't play the chucky defense a couple weeks ago remember it was the cowboys against um the texans we talked about it on this podcast 
And they ended up coming in at like 30, 35% and scored like four points. So you really do not want to play the chalky defense. But in terms of like what I'm looking for in tournaments, especially is trying to identify, like you said, quarterbacks that are willing to drop back and pass because if they are going to hand the ball off over and over and over again, you can't get sacks and strip sacks and pick sixes and stuff like that. So if you are going to look for one thing, it's that, but just the take home for everyone every week is get off the chalk in tournaments. Last week I had the 49ers in a tournament and I didn't late swap like a dummy, just like a dummy. You know, I was just hanging out with my family. Uh, what was last week? New Year's. How dare you prioritize your family over fantasy football, Kyle? <laughs> it was it was New Year's, and <laughs> I just remember there was only a couple of late swap options, but one of those was the Packers, and obviously oh. the Packers. Yeah, the you Packers were cheap. <laughs> I know. I actually looked at it too, and I was like, ah, I, I'm with my family. You know, I'm just trying to be a good good husband. You know, and lose money. So I think Emma would have uh, liked it more if you would have wanted a lot of money, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, honey, I didn't neglected you, but. Did you know the Packers were 2,300? Uh, next question from Dragon9 on Discord. Can you give me some insight on how you attack hundos, meaning tournaments that have 100 people? One lineup like you do for cash or multiple that have the same core? So I don't really play in the hundos per se. I play in a lot of the small field stuff. That's about 200 to 500 people, depending on you know the slate in the week. But I do play a couple of those, and I'm not playing the same lineup in all of them, if that makes sense. So I'm trying to just get exposure to different outcomes. And like I kind of talk about all the time, like in tournaments, I'm shooting to finish in the top five or just not cash. Like I don't really want to hit the min caches because it's hard to win in this game, which is why you want to be shooting for the top end of outcomes every week. And if you're only playing one lineup across multiple contests for GPP specifically, you're going to have an all or none approach where you could play pretty well and have a really you know good lineup that projects well but you just lose every week right but if you take shots and kind of get different you're helping to uh, spread out the exposure and the variance that is in fantasy football which we know is very high so for me i'm playing multiple lineups for gpps even if they are single entries yeah i'm with you i will i'm totally fine bottoming out in a in a hundo but i want to have a different different lineup in different ones so let's say you play five of those i'm gonna have you know five different kinds of stacks like maybe you say like i'm playing a josh allen stack and two of them um trying sam howell just to see what happens maybe i'd probably do that more in a large field but uh you're just trying to get a couple different combinations and those are really fun because it's attainable it really is in a hundred person tournament um yeah you're not trying to hit the nuts last one last question here from chad chad on uh on twitter just chad uh any advice for someone with a small bankroll trying to make some money through the playoffs? So I thought about this question a couple different ways. And I think what most people would say is like, oh, I only have, you know, 20 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever it is for the next four weeks of the playoffs or, or you know, five, if you include week 18, I'm just going to throw some darts and hope for the best. I think that's probably the wrong approach if you are trying to maintain the entire playoff run, right? If you're just like, ah, who cares if I lose whatever, then yeah, take some shots and have some fun. But I think what I would do is if I was in the situation is try to play uh, smaller entry fees, obviously, but then also try to find the smaller size tournaments to, to give me a better chance to stay in the game and keep winning week to week. So the hundos, you can play the double ups. Um, you can play in a bunch of head to heads and create your own. Those are ways to make sure that you're sustainable for the next couple of weeks. And then if you get to the Super Bowl or you know the championship round or whatever, and you do have some money left over and you've built a bankroll, then take some shots in tournaments. Yeah, you can find different tournaments. Some people talk about it as like a stair-step ladder where you're saying, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to use really small amounts. Let's say you're doing a $5 double up. 
That's a cash lineup. But then you go a step below that and you're saying, you know what, I'm going to play in a $2, uh, you know, tournament or a $2, you know, another double up. But then you're saying, I want a single entry hundo, you know, that's a dollar. Or you have a three person one. So instead of head to heads, if that scares you, like, oh, there's one other person, you can find tournaments with three people or up to 10 people that can fit those price ranges. And those are fun. Like, you and I love playing in tournaments at all different sizes. You're better at small field, I think, than even myself. But like, man, winning three people against two other people is awesome. Winning against nine other people is an awesome feeling. So you can find those that fit your bankroll. Just make sure in the DraftKings or FanDuel, wherever you're doing, you limit it by single entry, limit it by size, whatever. There's tons of those that are out there. Uh, just the opening page will always have the Millie Maker. They will always have other tournaments that are very negative EV and you should not be playing them if you have that bankroll. So uh, if you want to play with us, go to ballersdfs.com. It's the place to be, place to hang out. It's our DraftKings League, Fantasy Ballers DFS Borg plus bets. There's a contest every single week that we say, hey, it's sitting there. You can join it. We have almost 4,000 people in our league and you are one of those people right now listening that you can say, hey, I can join in. We'll have some special week 18 contests and Dare I say, maybe some uh, definitely some playoff ones coming up, but might even throw out like another sport or something just for fun. <laughs> oh my gosh! Throw out like a hockey contest or something. Uh, I I know I know you're pretty hyped about uh, fantasy golf. Oh, dude! As we're recording this, actually, we have the first tournament so, of the year up, and I am I'm in the sweats. The Century uh, Tournament of Champions, I believe. Correct in Hawaii. Yeah, don't worry. I have a cash lineup. Okay. All right, brother. Who are you playing? Uh, uh, <laughs> big golf fan over there. Uh, Seamus really Power. Seamus Power. <laughs> uh, old Seamus, huh? All right. We'll see how he does. He, he was uh, pretty cheap, if I remember, <laughs> when I made that lineup. We'll see how it goes. All right. Week 18. Hope it's fun for you guys. We'll be back next week on Friday. Bet, sign us off. I just realized we created a new site. It's called thefantasygolfers.com. <laughs> Coming to you soon. Um, everyone, have a great week 18. It should be a ton of fun. Again, Lots of randomness, so many things up in the air. Play some tournaments, get off the board, go win the Millie, and we'll see you for the playoffs next week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.